Good morning. Uh, welcome back to Flock um, for Coffee with the Commissioner. My guest today is Rob Linus. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. Thank you for coming along. Thank you. So, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, Rob Linus. Um, I was really unsure which um, uniform to put on today, so <laughs> I've put on my, my special constable uniform, but uh, during the day I work for Cleveland Police uh, IT, so I work within uh, our support team as their manager. Um, I'm also a special constable. And I'm also a trustee of Tees River Rescue over in Stockton. So, yeah, I, I do quite a few things. Um, I'm, I'm a dad. I've got four four children, two that uh, live um, elsewhere in the country and two that live with me at home. So I've got Annie and William at home um, and George and, and Vaughan. Brilliant. And, yeah, I've uh, I've worked for Clinton Police for uh, 16 years as a special constable now and 15 years as police staff. And, right. uh, and love it. And... Um, what about growing up then? Where are, you, are you local, born and bred? Or? Yep, so I was born in Parkside, uh, which isn't there anymore, but it's uh, alongside Albert Park. Um, so I grew up, um, started my life in Grangetown, um, then moved to Teesville. Um, my mum and dad ran pubs, um, so I lived in lots of various public houses throughout Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, I moved away when I was around 15, 16. Uh, my mum and dad split up at that time. So I, I moved to live with my mum, uh, who was living in Bristol at the time. And I've moved all around the country, mainly down the southwest, uh, for about 10 years. And then moved back to where, to God's country, back to the northeast, so, um, and to, to try and settle down. And the best place in the world to live. Absolutely. So so you moved around. Where, was that at university? Was that uh, it was mainly work. jobs? Um, yeah, so my me, me mum ran pubs, um, yep. as, as did my dad. Um, and for a little while, I became a licensed house manager as well. So I did what's called relief management. Yeah. So I'd spend two weeks in a pub while somebody else is on holiday, look after it for them, and then move on to the next one. So all in all, I've lived in 39 different places, I think, wow. throughout the UK. Um, just different villages. I lived in Exeter. And that's more than one a year, because you're obviously a young man, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've, I've lived uh, in Hampshire, in Devon, um, in... in um, Wales, uh, all across sort of the south mainly. Uh, okay. Yeah. And and how did you get into being a special constable then? So when I moved back to Cleveland, um, at the time I was working for a, a, um, a fixings company selling nails and um, screws and, and powder actuated tools, nail guns, um, sort of across the northeast. And I had lots of spare time on an evening um, and, and decided to, to sort of, try and, and, and see what being a special constable was about. So my dad, back in the early 80s, um, was a special constable. So um, he volunteered for Cleveland Police back in 1981, 82. Um, and one of my earliest memories is me with his hat, police hat on, sat in a toy police car, um, and that stuck with me, that you know I wanted to do something with the police. Um, the original intention was to, to join as a special for a couple of years, see if I liked it, and then join as a regular police officer. Um, that slightly changed in that when I applied, um, austerity then kicked in and a recruitment freeze happened for about five or six years. Um, so I stayed as a special throughout that time. Uh, I then got a job working for Cleveland Police um, as, as police staff and never looked back really. Um, I've, I really enjoy my day job. Um, previously I used to work in intelligence and now I've just moved into IT about 18 months ago. Um, really enjoy what I do. So I get the best of both worlds. Yeah, and, and 18 months is probably the time it's to get a HDMI lead for my office. Uh, not yeah. quite that long, but yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So as a special then, so 
16 years is special. That's quite a long time. You'd have seen some changes in that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not least uh, quite a few special constables. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've in, in terms of crime, that's dramatically changed. Um, you know, there's a lot more cyber-enabled crime now, uh, a lot more things that happen online initially. Um, there's a lot more violent crime, um, I'll, I'll be quite honest. Um, there's a lot less police officers than, than there was probably 16 years ago. Um, we used to, as a special, I initially worked in, in Redcar, and we would turn out a dozen special constables on a, on a Friday or Saturday night, and that would complement the 20 or so police officers that were already on duty. Um, you know, so we would be, have really good numbers. Um, that's not the case anymore. Um, specials across the force, we've got 48. Uh, we had 200 16 years ago, um, and police officers... And what do you think's driven that, then? What, what, that drop in specials, what's driven that? To be honest, I, I really struggle to put a, a finger on exactly what it is. Um, I think people have got a lot less time um, to, to give. Um, a lot of people probably don't even realise that a special constable exists or what we do or what we are. Um, and people probably don't know that it's an opportunity for them. Um, equally, I think, you know, there's a lot of emphasis in the last few years um, around the, the police uplift programme and, and getting regular police officers Um and that, again, the, the people that, as a special, would have tried before the bide, if you like, you yeah. know, volunteer for a couple of years, then try, have had greater opportunities to just apply in the first place. And do, do you think in some respects, because crime has got more violent, because um, people sort of see on social media or the news, it's this perception mm -hmm. of, of what police go through um, and, and in some respects the reality of what police go through... Yeah. Um, do you think that's put a lot of people off? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I think that there is certainly more risk being a special constable than there was probably 16 years ago. Um, you know, the, the, um, the, the landscape's changed quite a bit. Um, with that, the, the legislation's slowly changing as well. So special constables, um, for the first time a couple of years ago, are, are now allowed to be yeah. equipped with taser. Um, and, and you get excellent training, don't you? You get the same training from, from personal safety as whatever that I, I, yeah, I certainly. police officer would get. And it's, and it's a big commitment. You know, a lot of people, the, the personal safety training, our initial one at the moment is five days. So we take five days off work to, to go and do our personal safety training and then we have a refresher every year um, without fail. Um, and it's it, it's a big commitment. Um, but equally, you know, you, you've got to keep yourself safe out there because if you can't keep yourself safe, you can't keep the public safe. Um so that there's a real um, onus on pr protecting us, really, and, and keeping us, us safe. And what's the worst thing you've ever seen as a special? So one of the worst jobs I've probably been to, I was asked this question, I did a scout visit in, in Mask um, a few weeks ago, and I was asked this very question by, by uh, one of the children. Um, it's probably an RTC that I went to, which I, I won't give the, the location. An for, RTC for, the family. for our listeners. Uh... Road traffic collision. Um, so unfortunately, this was a fatal road traffic collision um, where, where somebody had lost their life. Um, and it really sticks with me because it was a dad who, who was, was father to a couple of daughters. Um, and when we checked his car, you know, his car was, was, was off the road. Um, there was child seats in the back. We didn't know if there was children. So we had to search a field and a tree line to check that his children hadn't been ejected from the vehicle. And that really sticks with me as a dad. Yeah. That that was quite horrific. Um, you know, we, we did the absolute best we could for him. The ambulance service were there trying to resuscitate him, but sadly uh, it wasn't to be. And you, you do a lot of engagement events, so so you were asked this question at a, a scout hall or a yeah. scout hall. 
how how do the young people respond to you when you when you talk about these experiences? So they're really engaging. Um, yesterday I went to um, the Glebe Primary School in, in Stockton. Um, we talked to um, Year One and Year Two in reception around um, Medi-Cal um, and how the ambulance service and the police service working together to protect people and, and save lives. Um, and they're really receptive. You know that the, the sort of uh, really listen, really engage with you, and, and genuinely want to know what it's like to be a police officer, what it's like to be you know the engagement side of the work that that our specials do, our officers do, our police staff do, I think is phenomenal. And and whenever you see it, I know when my team does engagement stalls, we quite often do them alongside the, the the force and the amount of young people that just, like like you did as a kid, you want to try that hat on, they want to, want to try the vest on, they just yeah. want to see what it's like. Um, and, and I was at one event in Stockton and the kids were just queuing up to be able to press the sirens and have a go and... I'm pressing the blue light, so it, it's really good to see. You touched on Medicare there. Um, Medicare was the very first um, outing I had with Cleveland Police after I was elected, um, and it was a a really um, humbling experience, I think, to to see what's done. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what what is Medicare and how did it come about? So, Medicare is is a joint initiative with um, Cleveland Police Specials. Um, and Northeast Ambulance Service. Uh, it came about because we have a, a fantastic uh, special constable um, or special chief inspector called James Ruddock, who um, transferred into Cleveland from Durham and, and came across with this idea of, um, you know, he'd been to several police incidents where the ambulance had been requested. Ambulance waiting times were at the time were, were quite bad. They're still not, not great, but um, he realised that we were letting victims down. You know, we're letting victims and, and people down that have been injured and he thought there's got to be a better way to do this. So he came up with the idea of, of putting two special constables and a paramedic in the same vehicle so that we can travel to police jobs that also require an ambulance. So we ran the first three trial shifts. Um, it will be five years ago next week. Wow. So it, it's been going for five years now. Um, first three trial shifts on the second shift, uh, they went to an attempt murder. Um, and had they not arrived, it would have been a murder inquiry because the, the chap was about to die. Uh, he had minutes left to live. Uh, the nearest ambulance was another 20 minutes away. They arrived within seven minutes um, and, and essentially saved this guy's life. And and from that point, we said, we, we can't really ever get rid of this. Yeah. Um, it, it saves lives. Uh, we're, we've lost count a little bit, but we're around about 105 people that are still alive today because of Medicare. Because you were the first on the scene with a trained... With a trained group. paramedic, with medical equipment, um, and we, we can provide life-saving first aid really quickly. And and that on its own is, is a reason to carry on with Medicare, but I think I, I saw the other side of it as well. So I saw uh, the first the first call we got, the first blue light call we got, was to a, to a house where there'd been a, a sudden death, mm -hmm. right? And it was an elderly gentleman. He had been poorly. There was there was nothing suspicious, but in those circumstances, a, a police officer arrive and they've got to stay there, haven't they? So Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So they've got to stay and wait for for life to be pronounced extinct by the ambulance service. Um, and unfortunately, you know, people that have passed away. Um, it's really sad for the families. It's awful, but it's not a priority for the emergency services, or certainly the ambulance service. They're going to try and save people. Um, so quite often you can be on scene for a couple of hours waiting for, for somebody to come and, and just pronounce life. 
uh, extinct. So Medicare again can pick up on that. We can travel there quite quickly, um, you know, do do what's necessary, um, pay our respects, and then then leave, which frees up police time. And, and that was what I saw that night. So when we arrived, the two police officers that were there had been there nearly two hours yep. already, um, and the ambulance in in priority order was probably still the best part of two hours away. Yep. From where they were going to get, but the paramedic we were with, fifteen minutes, was able to to do what was needed, and then pass the the scene back over to the family and release those police officers. So again, that's putting just by doing what you do, apart from having two specials on the streets of Cleveland, over and above what would normally be deployed, you've also got them putting police back into the, the uh, street. Absolutely, yep. yeah, and it, it works for both services. You know, we we regularly cancel ambulances you know yeah. our paramedic will go along and there's um, a cost to that isn't there there's a big uh, saving for the ambulance. yeah it's around about 250 pounds per deployment of an ambulance um so if we save one ambulance uh, that pays for the paramedic for the for the whole weekend that we run medicare but that's not obviously we we talk a lot about medicare i think it's a brilliant initiative yeah. but it's not the only thing so specials get involved in in warrant nights in <clears> in sort of um, transporting prisoners and things like that. Do you want to... Absolutely, yeah. So over in Stockton, we've got uh, Kate who runs um, a custody van uh, every Friday night. So again, that just frees up officer time. So you know, as an officer, if you've arrested somebody, generally you would transport them to custody. You'd be waiting at custody for potentially up to an hour um, while you book them in, get the paperwork sorted out. Then you're back to the station to start any statements and all the rest of the paperwork. Um, custody van really just takes that, gives an extra hour at least. Um, to, to officers to, to get started on that paperwork sooner or to get to the next job. Obviously, you've said warrants. Again, we, we've got the flexibility. We are extra, um, you know, we're in addition. So we can go out and, and target people that are wanted, people that have perhaps evaded, uh, evaded our capture for a little while. Um, and we can really go along and add some value. And, and for me, that's what being a special is. It's about bringing a little bit of extra value, adding some value not only to the police service, but to victims of crime. Um, you know, arresting suspects um, and, and really just giving a little bit back. And that, that point about contributing, that really is contributing. So one of the big success stories in Cleveland over the last 12 months has been our outstanding warrants has reduced by about 43%. Yeah. And and the special constabulary within Cleveland Police plays a massive part within that. Now, right at the top of the show, you, you talked about the fact that you didn't know which uniform to wear today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tees River Rescue is is another vehicle I, I've shared yep. uh, with yourself. So t- tell us about that. Yeah, so again, Tees River Rescue is um, a brainchild of James and, and myself um, in that uh, we've done some patrols as specials with the Environment Agency along the River Tees. Um, and for those that haven't gone along the River Tees on a boat, it is an absolutely incredible place to be. Um, the river is, is just, I think, an unsung um, part of the Tees Valley that is is just underutilised and, and um, sort of not not really thought about. It. It's just the river that runs through us, but it is brilliant. Um, but we saw a lot of problems along the river as well. So antisocial behaviour, you know, kids setting fires, um, and and people enjoying the river for the right reasons, jumping in and having a good swim, but equally not really thinking about their own safety. In that, if they did get into trouble, what would you do? Back in, in 2019, uh, me and James said, why don't we put a charity together and, and see what we can do about it? So we managed to get funding from, from the PCC's office uh, and we bought our first boat and then we couldn't launch it because COVID happened and, and we 
we couldn't even go together to look at it and clean it and make sure it was ready. We had to go separately and use our exercise time to to, to go along and, and try and get the boat ready for, for being launched. Um, but since then, we, we, we've grown. So we've got roughly uh, 16 to 18 volunteers at the moment that, uh, that work with us. We do regular patrols up and down the River Tees, particularly at times where we know it's sunny, it's going to be lots of activity along the river. Um, so that's a big part of our work is, is preventative. Um, you know, the, the RNLI um, and the Fire Brigade obviously cover um, the, the Tees. RNLI cover the tidal side, Fire Brigade cover the um, non-tidal past the barrage. Um, but there's no prevention work. You know, that they will respond to, to incidents um, and react, but there's nothing proactive. Um, so we kind of fit in that gap. Um, I know when I came along the other day, you had a, a real good uh, relationship with the open water swimming group that comes out of Preston Park. And... Yeah, absolutely. So we've got really good relationships with, with most of the groups along the river. Um, so there's open water swimmers, there's paddle boarders, canoers, um, Thornaby Canoeing Club, the Tees Barrage themselves, the, the, the Canal Rivers Trust are really supportive of our work as well. So yeah, we, we try and prevent incidents by patrolling. Um, we also offer a search capability so we can search up and down the river and obviously rescue as well comes as part of all of that because if we do come across something, clearly yeah, we need to be what, able to do what's, what's the thing you're most proud of from Tigger Rescue? I think that the fact we started from nothing and, and we now have, um, this year we will top over 2,000 volunteer hours. You know, we've rescued people out of the river, we've pulled people out, out of the water that were struggling, that would have potentially drowned. Um, and just to think you've saved one person and give them a little bit of education about, you know, not to not do it again, not to not swim in the river. We, we don't want to ever say to people, it's too dangerous, don't do it. But what we want people to do is think about how you would do it safely. Yeah. And you, you are right. I remember as we were going up the river and there was a, a group of kids and you sort of say, well, if one of them decides to jump in, that's fair enough. They're, they're going to jump in. Kids jump in rivers all the time. What none of them had thought about is there wasn't a, there wasn't anywhere for them to get out yes. if they jumped in at that point of the river. So yeah. all of a sudden, if they're not a strong swimmer, then they might jump in. They might be fine, and laugh and a giggle, but then how do they get out? Yeah, and and after cold water shock kicks in and, you know, you're floating off down the river because you can't get back out, yeah. what do you do? Um, so, yeah, it, it's really just that engagement piece, that, that piece around, yeah, if you jump in, have a plan to get back out um, and, and keep somebody on the bank to keep an eye on you, somebody with a phone... You know, know what to do. Um, so we really talk around how to float and how to survive, um, but also how to rescue other people. Um, and sometimes just shouting at them and saying, come towards me, can be all it takes to stop somebody panicking who's, who's about to drown, make them turn around and come towards you. Yeah. So floating through life is something you really haven't done, Rob, over the last 16 years. Not really. You, you've seen a lot, so yeah. You work for, for Cleveland Police as a civilian um, in, in intelligence. That must have been really interesting. And, and now in IT, which is probably less so. Yep. Um, Special Constable, Tees River Rescue. You've seen an awful lot. Mm -hmm. right? You've seen an awful lot. What do you think we need to to look at going forward? How, how With the changes you've seen over the last 16 years and the changes that we know, so you... You work in IT, you'll, you'll understand machine learning, AI, yep. the way technology is going. What, what do you think are our challenges going to be in the future? I think the, the biggest sort of challenges that, that we see at the minute, or certainly I see, is um, the increase in violent crime. Um, you know, the, that is, is a massive drain on not just the police service. Um, 
It's obviously life-changing to victims. Uh, it's impacted on health and social care. It's impacted on, on people's lives for, for generations, potentially. Um, I think really working on, and, and obviously I know the PCC's office has violent reduction unit um, and are looking to, to be part of the solution of that. Um, for me, that's that's a big thing. Um, obviously, that's part of the reason Medicare exists as well, is, is we can provide that life-saving intervention right at the beginning um, and, and potentially save lives. Um, but yeah, that that has certainly been an increase that I've seen in the last 16 years. Um, what the solution is, I'm not quite sure, but it, it does involve everybody working together and not in isolation. Um, historically, again, you know, a change in 16 years is... 16 years ago, everything was in isolation. The fire brigade, the, the ambulance service and the police service were very, very much um, separate, separate entities, whereas I think we've all realised now, moving forward, that partnership is absolutely the way to work and, and to work together rather than pulling in opposite directions. Um, so a lot more collaboration, I think, is probably the key uh, and a lot more partnership working. I would agree. Pa partnership working is the key to everything we do. So my final question is, normally, because you've listened to the podcast, tell us something about you that nobody else knows. Yeah. Uh, but because I know you've listened to the podcast, I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> um, so tell us something most members of the public wouldn't know about being a special constable and why they should consider joining up. Oh, Okay. Um, so I had a question prepared as well, so yeah, so, yeah you've thrown me there. So you're, you're a, me. I, I know that you're a practical man. So, <laughs> um, so um, I, I would say, but being a special has, has given me some great opportunities. Um, I've represented Cleveland Police at the Police Memorial um, Day in in York, which was fabulous. Um, I represent Cleveland Police when we go and re lay wreaths uh, on on Remembrance Sunday. Um, I've done some incredible things. Uh, particularly in intelligence as well, the, the work there, working on, on murder manhunts, kidnappings, some really, really juicy jobs that had I not been a special, um, I would have probably never applied to be police staff. So it's really led me on a, on a terrific journey um, that I've really enjoyed and I'm still enjoying. Um, and even though IT isn't quite as exciting as intelligence, we still do you know, get involved in quite a lot of things, helping officers, making sure that everything works again, to support that victim right at the very end. And everything I try and do is victim-focused. So, yeah, I would say if you've got a passion for trying to help people, really consider being a special constable. Um, there is quite literally no other volunteering role like it. Um, we have fabulous volunteers across the whole of the volunteering sector in the UK, um, you know, from the RNLI to, you know, people working in, in charity shops, raising money um, to support other people. Policing's really, really unique, I think, in that, as a volunteer, I have the power to take somebody's liberty from them and to, to arrest people. Um, and with that comes massive responsibility as well. Um, so, yeah, if if you're even considering it, have a chat to a special, speak to the, the cops on the street and, and go for it. That was brilliant. And what was your one-line answer to tell us something nobody knows about you? Uh, that my name on my birth certificate isn't Robert. It's, it's actually Bobby. Um, yes, my mum was um, slightly drugged still from uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, epidural and uh, gave me the wrong name. So my name was later changed by baptism. To Robert. Yeah. Very good. Well done. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank it's you. been interesting to chat to you, as always. Uh, you, the other specials, the Tees River Rescue guys do a fantastic job. 
Um, and I just want to th thank you on behalf of the Cleveland public for, for the job you do. Thank so you. this has been Coffee with the Commissioner um, with Rob Lyon, Rob Linus, special teaser rescue expert, IT guru, and former barman. Um, we're here at Flock in Middlesbrough. If you've never tried the place, come along, have a look. It's an amazing space to, to work in. And, and if you ever want to do a podcast, please come along. Thank you very much, and we'll see you all next time.